Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about OSR. Old school revival. Old school renaissance, maybe. Old school role playing. <laughs> All kinds of OSR. What is it? What is it? Good question. So old school revival kind of tells you a little bit about what it is. It's the idea of going back. Well, you basically you use the original or AD&D rules to... No, not AD&D. Not AD&D? No. Just original D&D. Oh, yes. Original D&D. And also basic, though. Basic set and the uh, other set, whatever it's called. Yes, it can be... It doesn't have to be a D&D. It can be the old school ones, the first ones. Yeah. So we're mainly talking about D&D, but now recently they started using Traveler, too. Even though I don't know if Traveler has that, the OGL, which is what started all this. So in 2000, I think, back when 3rd Edition came out, people start, uh, they came out with the o, OG, not the o, is it OGL? Yeah. Open Gaming License, which basically allows you to be able to change and and make come up with your own stuff for D&D, 3rd uh, Edition. And I guess it goes back down to original D&D. Since obviously TSR or Wizards of the Coast owned the license to that, so they opened it up. And basically, what it means is you can use, you can make up your own stuff as long as you include the original idea of of the rules. A bunch of people got creative and started. You know, they didn't really like the direction that third edition was going. And by fifth edition, you know, I forget what year fifth edition came out, but there was this o- OSR thing going on which is old school revival where people were using the the latest technology of print on demand and drive through RPG with PDFs to make their own version of D&D whether they changed things here and there but they kept like the strength wisdom charisma dexterity and strength they kept those basics and the and the you said strength twice just so you know <laughs> it's early in the morning so yes so they used those concepts and kept the concepts of the of the just the different basic rules and then built upon it and added to it and changed things and so we have all kinds of different versions of old of the original D&D and you have different versions of the OSR I can go through those there's a whole bunch of different games now that actually wow, have that but um I was wrong You're it's wrong. the 1974 Oh, D&D, which is original D&D. Right. The wood grain box, white box, little brown box, little brown books, it says. Little brown books. 1977 AD&D first edition. 1977 Holmes basic set blue box, whatever that means. It came in a blue box. Why do people have to do boxes? And, well, it was, real, uh, it was real popular back then. Okay, box sets were okay. hugely popular. I, I it just, was like the way to make... To present an RPG. Well, for example, Space Opera came in a box. So, so that out there. whenever anybody tells me about the color of the box, I know that they're an older person who is excited well, about those they also first named, role They, all, they also named the boxes sets after the people who wrote them, like the the Blue Boxes Homes edition. I yes, think. and then yeah, the 1981 Moldve. Moldve. Basic. It's a magenta box. Yes. And the 1981 Cook Expert. 1983 Mincer B E C M I Redbox, and then a black box basic set from 1991. So most of these are those are what the the old school revival is kind of based on incarnations yeah. of D and D. Yeah, which is weird because I don't I don't I remember my friends getting the blue box even though we had already started playing AD and D by that 
point, but they didn't have the books. And the books were much more expensive. I mean, the books were hardbacks. You'd have to buy the DM's guide and at least the player's manual. And if you wanted monsters, you'd have to buy the monster manual. So, you know, with kids on a limited budget, you could pay, I forget how much those books originally cost, 20 30 25 bucks. You know, you're talking about $75 compared to the box set, which cost maybe $19. So it was... I'm with you. I understand. So it's prudent as a teenager to buy the blue box set. So since this um, old school, whatever you want to call it. Old school revival. Has come out. There's all these guys going through their their basements with their boxes from when they're teenagers looking at finding their old D&D books. Original ones. Right? <laughs> I guess you could say that. So what's the difference is, or what, what are, what's basically the principles of this thing? There's a guy called Matt Matthew Finch. That wrote something called Matt's something primer. You just told me what it was. I did. I forgot it. But it's called uh, like a quick prime, oh, a quick OSR primer or something like that. And basically, he wrote rule. He wrote rules. He wrote his own set of rules for a game. I think Swords and Wizardry is the one, and it's based on the on one of the sets. I forget which one exactly. It might have been the original white box, little three little book edition. And in it, in the front, he basically says why he's doing it or what it's different from this than from the current D&D that's going on. I think by the time when he wrote it in 2008, 5th edition hadn't come out. So I'm just saying. <laughs> so he's got these four four rough principles of, of OSR that right. he's written. And the first one is rulings, not rules. What does that mean? Well, this is interesting. He says, I guess the idea is that when you play OSR style, the GM, you have to have complete, what is it? Trust. Trust in the GM that he is going to act fairly. Because what happens is to keep the game moving and not to have to look up things all the time. Sorry, rules lawyers. The GM makes ruling. And basically, he makes decisions on the fly. Using and, common sense. Well, using common sense. And using the rules that, you know, that he supposedly has read. And he makes rulings, right? He doesn't have to look up a rule. He, this is what's going to happen or this, will, this is what would happen. And he only rolls the dice if he thinks that an element of, uh, of randomness needs to be. Correct. There's no the the players don't have. Oh, I gotta roll a spot check for this. Or that's the second number two. Well, it's player second. skill, not character skill. Oh, player skill, not player knowledge. Even no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Moving on, the second thing says that like currently in D and D fifth edition, and which started basically in third edition, you had a huge set of skills. It's gone up and down depending on what edition. But a player would say, "I'm going to search the room." And they have, you know, depending on what edition, there's different checks you can make. The current one, I think, is spot. So you can roll a spot, roll over a number, and I made my spot check. And then the GM is basically forced to tell you what you see or don't see or what or what of interest is in the room. In OSR style, there's no spot check. The player says, okay, I'm going to search. I'm going to search under the bed. Okay. And then, you know, and then the play continues. And he, and he has to specifically say where he's going to search because there's no skill check. So he tells, I'm going to search the, let's say you're in a bedroom. I'm going to check underneath the bed. I'm going to check underneath the mattress. I'm going to check in the chest of drawers. I'm going to look behind the chest of drawers to see if there's anything behind it. I'll look <laughs> underneath the drawers and look underneath it, see if there's anything taped under there. I don't know if there was tape in fantasy times, but so that's the kind of, that's the kind of gameplay that's different from, from today's play where Players can make checks and bypass role playing, I guess, in a certain sense, or at least bypass that idea that I have to explain everything or 
explain everything my character is doing to make sure that I that I catch everything or find everything I need or spot the the trap that may be in the room, etc., etc., etc. So that really is putting a lot of trust in their jam. And the problem is, is that I see is that <laughs> it, this kind of style is the old style, right? That you're always talking about that the GM is adversarial or could be adversarial, right? So depends on your GM, I guess. So if you don't have all, I think they put all the skills and stuff in there for a reason because people were, didn't want to have to do a laundry list of where they were checking for stuff. I don't, I don't know if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I, I'm not sure that was the, the reason. I think it was a lot of, even, I mean, I remember way back when we were still playing AD&D, the Dragon Magazine introduced skills and and there's skills. There might be skills in the DM's guide, but there there's no rules about it. It's like an occupation you can do. Like, you know, what is it? Like, not a blacksmith, but a farrier, uh, somebody who makes arrows. And there was this list of jobs that people could do. And your and your character could have skill in the, in that endeavor, whatever those were. I'm pretty sure it was in the Dungeons and Dragons book, Game, Game Master book. But there was no rules associated with how to, to do that. It was just a list of things that your character couldn't know how to do. But there was no exact rules. And then I remember in Dragon Magazine, they kept putting out different types of rules for skills to add to your game. So I think it was just an evolution of that kind of that kind of ideas that were coming out. Okay. So the third one oh, yeah. is that the game is supposed to be heroic, not a bunch of superheroes. Uh, superheroic, yes. So I guess it's grittier. I hate to use that word. In the old school OSR, your characters are more likely to die. Well, it's easier to make a character. You don't want to get attached to your character. Oh, that's true too. And you, and the characters are made randomly. You know, there's no there's no point by system. You just roll your three six side dice six times, and that's what you get. So this was like when you were telling me, was it Traveler, where you had to roll what your occupation was and were you in the army or was that a yeah, different one? That was it. Okay. You, had to you actually got to choose what branch of service you wanted to get into. And then you had to roll to see if you got into it. And then once you got into it, then you can. And every so often you had to roll to see if you lived through the year or something. You at the very end of making your character, not every year, but at the very end of making your character, you got to see if he survived the whole ordeal. So, yeah. So that's kind of OSR too. And I will, I'll talk about that later. But. This idea of heroic versus superheroic, you're right. It's the humble beginnings of a of a per person who's normal, who's no more powerful than a normal person in medieval life. The only thing, dif the only difference is that these people are crazy and want to actually go adventuring and kill things and take their stuff or whatever it is that adventuring is to that particular group. So the world is really a dangerous place. What oh, is dangerous? Yeah, and then there was the, the world is always a dangerous place in D and D, but these days. It's a little the, easier to live. Because, yeah, you're, there's modules with levels. You know, this is level one through five. And people, when they roll up their characters, they have skills that grow with the character as yeah. they grow. Well, so no, the, it, this idea is that, that you really don't. You're, you're, the, you're you, right? And as you get more points, hit points and stuff, you, you don't get extra superpowers or anything. Right. Yes, exactly. There's no such thing as feats in this original rule set. And basically all you do is you get, it makes you slightly power, more powerful because you get extra hit points. But those hit points were very small. I think the fighter got a D10. No, they didn't use D12s. The likelihood that you had pluses to your character, like if you had a, a 17 strength and a 16th constitute, it was very rare. 
you know, because you're just rolling three six-sided dice, you really could end up with a character with a seven strength with attributes between three and 18. And the medium would be about 11 or 12, right? Statistically. So hardly powerful. And 11 and 12 doesn't get you any pluses to your to your to strength anything. to anything right the bonus whether it's strength wisdom or whatever so when you roll to when you roll your your hit points it would just be the whatever you rolled on the die and if you roll the one well you have one hit point and so the fourth rule or fourth uh whatever principle is forget game balance which kind of you were just kind of talking about because that means that you know your gm can put you wherever you want wherever he wants and or she wants and you either face the situation or run away because you know you're gonna die well i think that's kind of weird too but i kind of like that idea because there he's right you're, there's the world and you present the world as it is and at least that's what you would like to your do your fantasy world as it is your fantasy world and there's gonna be monsters there and there's gonna be things there that you cannot handle at first level like you know there is there are these you know, large tribes of goblins with, or orcs with a uh, orc leader that's tenth level. Now, if you're a band of five people try to go out after them, you'll likely die. So you don't go after them, right? So, so that's the idea is that there's this world out there, and if the characters aren't smart, the players aren't smart. <laughs> I always get confused. If the players are not smart and go after things inappropriate to their level, they're gonna get slaughtered. And the GM is going to slaughter them because that's their own damn fault. I mean, you don't want to, like, go around the corner. Oh, there's a 10th level orc or dragon or whatever it is. And he takes a, he attacks you, does 50 points of damage, and you're dead. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about actively seeking out things that are beyond your capabilities. And if you are if you make the mistake of going after the wrong thing, you're going to, there's a chance of everybody dying, which is a total party kill, which I haven't really been a part of. I think only I think only once in my long illustrious career have I been in a TPK as they call, and that wasn't even D and D. It was I think it was like Call Cthulhu or something. I'm laughing because that's funny. <laughs> so these are the principles that that Matt Finch came up with, and he put, put them in his primer, a, a quick primer to OSR or whatever to his game. And I think they're pretty good. I think I think a lot of people really like it because there's quite a few uh, sets of rules out there, and they're they're pretty popular, and and there a lot of people play them. Now I don't usually see this at gaming conventions. That's probably because you're not around people that do it. Well, no, but I'm I don't, sure there are. I don't. Oh, well, I don't see them in the in the in program. The program. Yeah, I mean, I see original D and D being played, not original. Usually A D and D. People hearken to AD and D quite a bit, at least around here, and they still play it to run the campaigns. And I understand some of the some of the ideas behind it, but what's weird is that I remember playing original D and D, and we never played like this. We never played exactly along these old school revival. Okay, I'm gonna just go with that since your brother was your 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 dungeon master at the time. He's very uh, fair. And he right. also is very, he has very high principles. So I don't think he would like, he's not too adversarial when it comes to, I mean, in the game, right? And he's always very, he has, he has a different style maybe than some other guys. That's true. That's, uh, I mean, and I think I that might be your own personal experience because a lot of people have had problems with the, I, I'm always hearing people tell me, oh, 
that's the old way of playing the the GM and and still some of our friends have problems with the fact they think the GM is out to kill them or not being fair or not being fair at the very least which is why a lot of people are rules lawyers and want to have their skills and they build their characters to the T they're mini maxers and they want to make sure they right. have everything they can so that the GM can't kill them that's which is kind of weird to me because I've never had a GM try to kill me. Well, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, definitely. And early on, I had I had Felipe, my older brother, and then I had this guy, this guy called Mark, and he was very much like him. He was very. I mean, you know, we played we played a, a lot like Felipe. Now, Mark, you know, supposedly was adversarial, or and he played a little bit of favorites, but I don't know. I mean, I remember playing in his original. It was AD and D, the by the way, fantasy game. And I loved it. It was just amazing because he was really descriptive and he had a ton of miniatures and he had miniatures for everything and they were very well painted. And I don't remember this OSR style of play except the fact that he, we kind of played by the rules, but, but I don't remember. We never had a total party kill and we never, I just don't remember this style of playing even, even with a different GM than my brother. Right. So I think what's weird is I think everybody was playing differently. So... This idea that we're going back to the old school realms of the way it was meant to be played, original D and D, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it really exists because, because the rules were so, like, lightly written, that people came up with their own stuff when they saw holes in the rules. I was reading an article, and they were talking about old school really means homebrew, and the <laughs> yeah, idea is that I think you're right. is that I think you're right that these that these rules the rules are written a certain way. And as people were, as the game is developing and, and people are developing as they're playing it and running right. it, yes. they make their own rules when they see things that don't work or they make their own rules when they, they, when they, don't, agree when the they don't agree with the rules. I remember, I think I told the story before. I'm my, sure you my have. My brother was talking about this Monterey D&D club and it was near Dennis the Menace Park because near Dennis the Menace Park was a community center. And I remember going to this place. And it was really, like, my brother kept talking it up. So I was really excited and going, on going. I think I told you. I went there, and it was the most boringest game. I, ever, I don't remember who ran. But I just remember there was, like, six or seven of us playing and the GM. And we were in a dungeon. And it was literally a dungeon crawl, right? We're going from room to room, killing monsters and taking their stuff. But back then, it was, like, straight original d and I don't think it was even, yeah. It might have been a bad Dungeons & Dragons, but this is the way he was running it. Okay, you go into the room. Caller, what's going on? So, okay, Mike and John, they're going to be in the front row. They're going to attack. Okay. And they attack. And, they, and, it was, and that, that, that continued until Mike or John went down. So we pulled Mike and John back. And then somebody else would step in the, in the, in the, in the hole. When the you doorway. say caller, this is a really old school That's thing. That's original D&D. So the players wouldn't each be able to tell what they were doing. No. Only one player was yes. allowed to talk. To the GM. So that's that's just bizarre to me, but <laughs> kind of cool. I've never been in a game like that. So, and neither had I, right? Because we had an idea of a caller. The caller for us was the person who would tell the GM that we were ready, right? Yeah. You know, he wouldn't tell. He wouldn't say what everybody was doing. And then, and then the, week, the caller also kind of, you know, because we did go into dungeons, he was also the mapper, right? You would also okay. What was that? A left, a left branch that goes thirty feet ends in the door, you know, and that kind of stuff. So that there were a caller, and we had a caller, but it was just usually he was like the spokesman for the group. But in, at the, in in Monterey, he basically just told 
the GM what was going on. And what did every- he talk to you first? Did you guys d- discuss it? And then he started doing the calling. No, no, part? there's no discussing. He goes, okay, okay. So are you gonna step up and drag back uh, John's body and take his place at the doorway? Okay, okay. And you're gonna attack. Okay. So basically, the only decision I made, well, the only action I did was to throw, roll my dice and tell him how much hit points I did or if I missed, and he would tell the GM. So in all of that, I I brought out another idea. <laughs> so that, that was the one and only time I went to the yes, music, to I can imagine. Moderate. So the the mapper, the person who is mapping it, it's not like today where you have the mat out on the table. Usually the GM has drawn it or there's already a map or he has scenery set up. You were actually using a notebook. Graph paper. Graph paper. Yes. And graphing your dungeon as you went. Right. So you knew what Or else you wouldn't be able to get out, right? Because the GM's going to say, okay, which way are you going to go? Oh, I'm just going to go the way that I came in. Which way is that? (laughs) So, and we all, I don't know where, well, I guess it was in the rules because I don't, I, mean, I don't remember really needing, I mean, I don't remember needing the, the map to get out, but we obviously had the map so we could just go out. Oh, we're going to go out this way, this way, this way. And then on, on the table at, at least. In, so is that, is that like everybody played or is that maybe just the way Felipe played to make sure that you knew which way you were going? Because if your brother knows you as he, as I'm sure he does, you don't really know your right from your left half the time. So. <laughs> Well, I guess it was easier back then. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, you're right. I, I, oh, well, of course, I know my left from my right, but not usually when I'm driving because I'm distracted. <laughs> so our dungeons, because we were mapping, were very basic. Like some of these people get crazy and have all these odd angles. All our dungeons were at right at angles, right? They went left, right, straight. There was no. It was graph paper. There were no curves. Well, you could put a curve, but how do you describe a curve to somebody, right? I'm just saying. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to break out my, uh, my what is it, my geometry calculator and figure out what the angles the, are. You know, the I don't know what I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about ang- how do you talk about a curve? It has to do with uh, I forget. I don't know. So I think one of the things about um, OSR is the nostalgia. I think that's the I one of the, the big is, things. You you hit the head on the nail there. The and nail so, on the head. Whatever. You know what I mean. Because <laughs> if you hit the head on the nail, that's a, a bad thing. The head on the nail? I don't know. I think it'll get the same result. So I think you really hit the mark on this one, Jolene. And the problem is that maybe your people's memories isn't all that great. That nostalgia. They're remembering stuff that wasn't, wasn't the way it was. I know at least... At least two men who would agree with you completely on your memory. <laughs> Stop. I don't know what to say about that. Anyway, uh, see, see, threw me off. Sorry. Well, no, I don't know what else to say. No, but people remember. It's right. It's like nostalgia. It's you know the good old days, right? Yes. Well, the good old days weren't all that good. You know, they they weren't. You know, pe- people talk about like the fifties. Well, yeah, sure, a few people had it good, but it sucked for a lot of people, right? And and the seventies and area, even the eighties, right? We, I, I had a good, great childhood, but some people didn't. So I think people make when they look back nostalgically. That's what nostalgia is. You're remembering the good things. Well, sometimes I think you come up with the good that wasn't really that good. You know what I mean? I do. You you, enha- you enhance the, the 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 memory to make it seem like it was better than it actually was. Because I remember, because if you played original D and D the way it was written. Then you're stuck with these people that played in Monterey, you know, with the collar, with the, you know, you're in a dungeon, you, you know, the idea that 
and my brother took us out of the dungeon early on. So we were like adventuring. Yeah, adventuring. And the, and this idea of a collar went out the window. We, we we would we would all say what we wanted to do. You know, we would all roll our initiative and 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 do actions and stuff like that. And my brother did some some rulings over rules. You know, he would make a decision, and we all went by it. And it was just what you did. It's just what we did. So here's the 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 differences I think between old school revival or old school games in general and the newer games I think role playing has evolved so people didn't like the adversarial GM right so they because they didn't want to and I can kind of understand that I've never really I, I don't remember that when I played the first games I played but I played with teenage boys as a as a teenager and they were you know into finding treasure and stuff and it wasn't a big it wasn't there was nobody with a um, um, nobody with a, a dark mind right that was trying to cause pain <laughs> to anybody and I think I was in the same boat right Mark Schmidt I, 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 I don't mean to confuse a, a current person I know who's called Mark Schmidt you're not was, supposed to use last names I'm not supposed to use, well sorry sorry people so Mark S and Mark S two different people one from my childhood and one from now you know I don't remember, you know, he was kind of adversarial, adversarial, but I don't, you know, I don't think it was terrible. Like, oh man, I'm never going to play with Mark, you know, the old Mark, <laughs> Mark Prime. Mike know. is going to just go after you for easy <laughs> names. I'm telling you right now. But I don't remember playing that way. And that's, that's, you're right. I think you're right that it's all homebrew. People tinkered with D&D from the very beginning or just thought well I'm gonna, what happens if i do this and so it's the evolution right i think it is so there so there was the adversarial gm and a lot of people didn't like that so they they changed the rules to help the player right. against an adversarial gm yeah I think, in a way in a and, way and i think to add more role playing to the aspect of the of the game or or just to add something that they thought was was either missing or would be useful well if you had a caller that was telling you what to do then there were really only two people playing the game and you were just sitting there and rolling dice. and that's exactly what i did in monterey I'm i just, just sat there and rolled dice i've never been like, in a game like that so. i never have and i never went back i'm like and it was multiple tables right they had a big group this is like early early 80s well one of the things about um the old school revival though is that they say that this is a way to make people really role play because you don't have a spot check. I want to do a spot check and roll my dice to see what I see. Or I want to do a, a perception check and see what is here, that kind of thing. Or I want to do this or that. You have to actually role play with the GM what you're looking at. Okay. So along with those lines, I think I kind of call BS on that whole idea because even, even, with, the, even with your skill and the skill roles that you can have, you don't the person the way I've ran and I've never seen anybody else run differently is you don't walk into a room and say I'm gonna roll a spot check. The player doesn't initiate that, right? Right. He the GM goes, "What are you doing?" And the player does not respond by, "I'm gonna roll a spot check to see what I see." No, I, people say, "Well, I'm gonna look around." Right. And the GM goes, "Oh, where are you gonna look? Is there any specific you gonna look?" Usually, I don't know. And then they go, "Okay, we'll roll." Then the GM initiates. I'm going to tell you what you're going to need to roll a spot check or a constitution check, whatever. And then that's what, and then the player gets to roll. So this idea that it's even less role, you're right. That would be total non role playing. But, he, but the problem is with this old school revival, it's the player knowledge. It's not even the, you're not even inhabiting the character's mind. 
if if you were playing a dumb character and you walk into a room and uh, well would he have the wherewithal to look underneath the the drawers to see if anything was taped and i use that i know they didn't have tape in medieval times but glued underneath the the drawer i don't know would he but no it's player knowledge versus character knowledge and that that seems kind of what what role playing is that it's metagaming yes it's terrible so some people like that no no nobody likes metagaming so the other thing is the difference that i see is that people weren't attached to their characters or if they were then they were really sad when their character died if if everything is 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 as brutal as these as as salsas in this world were well yeah well maybe my brother's really leaning on us because none of us died until he decided to kill me another thing i read was that the gm or dungeon masters didn't have to have a meta plot because they're going along they didn't you know how how you you usually have this idea of yeah. the campaign where it's going you don't have a railroad and and the thing is is these people are trying to not be railroaded which is one of the other things i read which i'm not totally convinced yeah. on because although if you're randomly rolling dice to see where you're going next or something like that i can see that's not a railroad <laughs> right that's just a yeah i don't know that's a kind of a weak argument when i when i read it i'm like yeah i don't know no i know campaigns are written that way published campaigns because they have to be written that way and I noticed a lot of people will mimic the way campaigns are written, you know, because that's what they read and that's the examples that they have. But some people don't. And and in the last game that I ran, there was no, there was no, you know, for the... The for, last campaign. No, the last game that I oh. ran with the girls and, and Mike. Oh. And... I wasn't there. Yeah. Oh, you weren't there. There was just, uh, there was the idea I had and, uh, and the characters were, well, you guys should go over here and check this out. But it was up to them what they wanted to do. I didn't. That's all they. That's all they were instructed. That's the to way do. you run games, anyway. Right. Everything is up to the players. Correct. What they want to do. Correct. But see, you also do the GM. Um, the GM has the final say, right? Well, yeah. And what happens? Because was it was, you're the, was it rule something or other? Rule zero. <laughs> you're like, what the hell is rule zero? I gotta look it up. So, but the, see, this is what they want in old school revival too. Is the GM is unquestionably right. You can't question him. Well. For you, people always question you, but you always just say, "No, no, this is what I, this is what's happening." Yeah, and I've talked and about. And you it usually give a, a reason yeah. if they really need it, right? Well, because some people need some people need more explanation than other people. Well, I understand that too. Like, and that's what I do. I say, "Well, I give my reason." My reason usually means usually is that it makes sense for my decision to the way I make my decision. You know, it's not arbitrary. I don't think. I think about it. I go, well, that doesn't make sense that this would happen. So I'm not going to allow that to happen. Or that isn't what happens. So I think um, that we should go over a couple of the different games. Just so, not go over them, but just I'll give out names in case this sounds interesting to anybody. Oh, and it right. might be. I can see how it could be interesting because it's a different style. Although a lot of the people that we play with and the people that you know may not like the idea that it's they don't get a do it the way they like it now because it has evolved to where there's more role playing and that kind of thing right although uh, these people say some of these people the old school revival people say this is more role playing but i don't know it's it's more metagaming so how can that be role playing that's the problem i have okay so i'm just gonna list some things so that everybody is is if you want to try it here are some of the ones and, the, uh, and they're all available like on on rp uh, drive through rpg this one is called O S R I C, 
Osric. Osric, yes. And it's created by Stuart Marshall and Matt Finch. And it's a take on the AD&D rule set. I have heard that this is an excellent set of rules. Basically, they took the AD&D books, which is the Monster Man. I don't know about the Monster Man, but they definitely took AD&D Game Master's book and the Player's Handbook. And supposedly, they took out all the the Gygaxian language. Look up Gygaxian language. And all the weird ways he, he presented things. They redid it, reformatted it. And so, it is AD&D in a cleaner, uh, more, uh, what is it, cleaner and more easier to understand format. And the next one is Castle and Crusaders, which was released in 2004 by Troll Lord Games. And it's definitely, they say it's definitely a nod to the first edition AD&D. Okay. I, I have seen that quite a bit on um, drive through RPG. Swords and Wizardry. Swords and Wizardry is the brainchild of Matt Finch. I think that's original D&D. Um, Labyrinth Lord. It's by Goblinoid Games. Never and haven't heard of that one. It's the, it's, it's, it chooses to reproduce the B slash X rule set of Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know what that means. It must be a, some sort of box. Yeah, a BX set. I forget which one's the BX set. And then there's uh, a new one or a new idea, Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG, which um, oh, yeah. is done by Joseph Go- Goodman and Goodman Games. Yes. And, um, that's a huge ass book. That is huge. But the Dungeon Crawl Classics, I think that's the one that uses all the weird, weird dice. Like they have a D3, D17, D21s. Okay. They get really weird. And they have one called Lamentations of the Flame Princess. Yes. Um, and that is a another BX Dungeons and Dragons take. And that was kind of like a really adult orientated game. Okay. So then there's Hackmaster Fourth Edition. Hackmaster. Um, I think I owned that one. So and um, Adventures Dark and Deep, which is uh, <laughs> I I don't even know. <laughs> Um, and then there's a whole bunch more. Well, no, there's only... There is a whole bunch more because anybody and everybody can come up with their own ideas and go format it, print it out. No, not print it out, but format it, send it to RPG, and then boom, we can try to sell their stuff on RPG.com in a PDF format, which is electronic you know, format. And there's, and there's one other one called Adventure Conqueror King System, Ooh. which is... The principle, the the pinnacle of TSR products, the rules cyclopedia, the first edition AD and D. So I don't know what that means. So I, at one point they came out with the cyclopedia. That's what they call it, cyclopedia, and it had all the rules. And it was I, th- I believe it was originally in the like in a binder format. So you got the rules in this binder format, so you can move the pages around and all this other stuff. I never owned it. I don't think I ever saw it in school. I mean, in school. I never saw it at at the hobby shop. There was there was a there's a dark period in my in my in my in my gaming where I didn't either didn't pay too much attention or I wasn't near hobby stores because like I don't remember second edition be seeing second edition on the bookshelves anywhere and yet they obviously sold it and came out with products and the same thing with the Psychopedia. it came out I didn't really either. I, I didn't pay attention, or wasn't. Maybe it was when you were going to Chico State or something. Well, Chico State was in '88, so yeah, definitely I started to. But and then when I when I when I came back home from from Chico, I just started playing with my friends again, and they were you know we played Middle Earth role playing, uh, Dark Conspiracy, and Space Opera, and and if we played D and D, it was A D and D, because we already had the books, 
and we didn't have a lot of money to buy new books. And so if it was out, I, like second edition, I probably wouldn't have looked at it. There very, you go. Very, That's probably why. So I think that if there's obviously a lot of games out there, so you can look them up. Yes. Um, if it, you have this nostalgia and want to go back and play the original, go find it in your basement. I'm sure you have it. <laughs> a, a box, a color, you've saved it somewhere. And it's probably worth a lot of money if you want to sell it. But you might want to keep it longer, too. I don't well, know. boxes usually gets torn apart. You know, I don't have... Uh, I'm box. sure there's uh, some of those guys that do. Well, of course. Or if you're not an old dude... And there's no nostalgia factor, but you want to see how people played. You know, you can find, a, you know, get these rules. And you can actually get them in written format, too. I mean, published format. Yeah. In paper, dead yes. tree format. Yes. Yeah. So if you want to, like, see how the old timers played and, and see what the rules they... You can try it, out. try it out. And see if you like it better. I think that some people will. Some people have, you know, like those things. Yes. And some people don't. Right. So... I'm not passing judgment on anybody here because, you know, I don't know what <laughs> makes people happy. That's true. You, can, you can't have a f- wrong fun while no, role playing? No, no. Especially, and if you, if you, I can only say, don't get attached to your character and have an extra one ready. I know people who used to do that. They've <laughs> yes. told me about it. And, and carry, I, and and carry and I was like, and carry, yes, always. <laughs> and make sure you tell the, the GM that you got the 10 foot pole back. <laughs> Or got a new one. Or got a new one. So this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. Have a great day. Have a good day. <laughs>